God of life and love and energy and creativity, we thank you for the way that you've revealed yourself to us through these children, through their life and energy and creativity and love. We ask that you would be with them this morning through prayer and study and reading and play and that you would be present with their teachers and leaders as they care for them. Thank you for the gift that all of those people are to us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Get out of here. Go on, get. Got to yell at the, the old people. So, I won't yell at you. Well, maybe her. Um, our New Testament reading this morning is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 14. goes all the way to 24. And Paul writes, And I urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them, and yet he means all of them, See that none of you repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from what is evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do all of this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Good morning. Um, as Owen said, my name is Jeremy Hall. If we haven't had a chance to get to know each other, come snag me during barbecue. I will be preoccupied with barbecue, but I'll pretend to listen to you too. Um, I'm really excited this morning. Joe didn't think that was funny. Um, I'm really excited this morning to get the chance to kick off this sermon series on prayer. Uh, we're calling it Deeper Roots. And as we explore this time together, as we spend the next six, seven weeks before the next stage of church life gets going, we're going to be looking at all sorts of different prayers from Scripture and drawing out of them what God has for us in the life of prayer. And so as I get started with that, I have a few questions I want to ask. They're not rhetorical. I expect you to yell at me, interact. Let's see if we can make this work. I know that's scary, but we're going to try. So first question, it's an easy one. How many Sundays are there in Advent? Four. Thank you. Yeah, four. I heard some grumbles other than it was a good first try. Uh, but yes, there are four Sundays in Advent. We, ha we have the wreath and we light them. Maybe you're like me and you buy the family calendars. I just buy them for the chocolate. Um, but there are four official Sundays in Advent. Follow up, how many days of Christmas? Twelve. Yeah, a little more participation. That was nice. Um, we know that one because of the song. There are twelve days of Christmas. That's a part of our liturgical calendar. A little weirder. And so this is number three. Don't worry. Um, you are being graded, but not by me, by Jesus. Um, how many days of Lent? 
Ooh, yeah. So if you say somewhere around 40, you're pretty close. Different traditions count them differently because some days are in and some days are out because those fish sandwiches at Chick-fil-A are great, but sometimes you need a cheeseburger. Um, last one, how many weeks of Easter? Huh? It's, sorry? Five. I, I hear five. I hear depends. I hear murmurs. Six. I don't know. Yeah, this one's a little different. The answer here is seven. Uh, there are seven weeks of Easter on the liturgical calendar. I like how that one got a little quieter. I don't know about y'all, but for me, last Sunday felt like a party. Uh, the band, the reception, the choir loft full of people, incredibly loud, hallelujah, chorus. That was awesome. Everyone who participated in that, thank you. That was really special. Um, but it, it felt like a party everywhere for me, not just in here, but afterwards. Also, I went and joined my family who gathered in mass in Marietta uh, for a feast. We're talking ham, shrimp, grits, potatoes, baked goods everywhere. Whenever granny shows up, baked goods everywhere. Kids running all over the place, games in the yard, sports on the tube, Wine, beer, cannolis. There were cannolis, people. This is a party. There was even a rabbit hopping around the living room. If that's not an Easter party, I don't know what is. And the church calendar calls for seven weeks of this stuff. More Sundays than Advent, more days than Christmas, longer than Lent. Easter is here. Easter is upon us. The tomb that was empty last week is empty still today, and that calls for a party. The life, energy, creativity, power, beauty, and love released from the tomb are still free and running amok on our world. The, the forces of hell and despair and evil, war, injustice, hatred, fear, decay, death, sin have tried to roll the heavy stone back over the tomb, but their strength has been forcibly taken from them. Easter continues. Jesus rose, Jesus is risen, and Jesus shall remain risen. The preparatory days of Lent are over with their sacrifices and fasting and disciplined readiness. The terror and loneliness of Holy Week have passed, and we are now living in Easter. The torturous execution stake, the symbol of Roman power and authority, has been gilded in the blood of the Savior and has been transformed into an incredible symbol of undying hope, and so we celebrate. Never in history had such cr a crushing defeat, utter disaster, been followed by such ecstatic joy as witnessed in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And now we are here on the Easter side of history. The life, energy, creativity, power, and love released from the tomb are still free and available in our lives. So, when we hear people talking about Christian joy, that's, that's something we like to throw around, Christian joy. When you hear that, this is what people should be talking about. This is what Paul is talking about in this passage from 1 Thessalonians that we just read a few minutes ago. In the lines before we started reading, Paul is talking about the day of the Lord. You got to say it in a scary voice, you know. 
When the world will be brought to account with God and the evil and suffering and brokenness of the creation will be transformed and conformed to the will and dreams of its creator. But as Paul writes about this future event to the people suffering persecution in first century Thessalonica and now to the 21st century persecuted East and unstable West, Paul pens one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Verse 16, rejoice always. In 1872, the famous and prolific preacher Charles Spurgeon, you might have heard of him, wrote that this command is somewhat staggering. You think, Charles? How are we to do this? How can we remain in Easter? How can we maintain our connection to resurrection? How can we keep that Christian joy in a world like this one? How can we rejoice always? But Paul seems to anticipate the question and pins the next verse, pray without ceasing. So, Paul, what does that mean? It seems for Paul that there's a list here of things that Christians do um, in seminary. We call them virtue lists. And Paul's virtue list here in chapter 5 is something like uh, find ways to live in peace with one another, encourage those who seem stuck or tired, help the weak, do not engage in retributive violence, always do good for your community, listen to your preachers, but hold them accountable for what they say, never quench the spirit in someone's life, Give thanks in all circumstances. Don't be evil. I like that one. And remember to rejoice always. So, how do we manage to do this? Pray without ceasing. Prayer here for Paul is not simply a part of the Christian life. Rather, it is what enables the entirety of the Christian life. It is ju not just something we do, but it empowers everything that we do. Paul believes that if we are going to be able to function as Christians in this world, we are going to need to be people who pray without ceasing. We see similar language from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he says that his followers will be people who give, fast, and pray, and that these people will do this so naturally that they'll be able to do it without their left hand knowing what their right hand is doing. It's just something that happens for them. Again, in Luke 21, Jesus tells his followers, pray always. Ephesians 6, same phrase, pray always. Romans 12, pray continually. You see a pattern. This stuff is in here. But 1 Thessalonians is an interesting example of this in that it is one of the earliest Christian writings. It's one of the first books that comes about that we have as part of our canon today. These words of instruction and encouragement are some of the oldest that the church possesses. From the very start of our tradition, to be a Christian is to be one who prays, one who maintains an open line of communication with the divine source. But here is where we often begin to struggle with prayer, because when we pray in this space, in this church, in this sanctuary, we usually do it by speaking. And that's good. Uh, it's vital. It's beautiful. It's true. 
But there's more to a lifestyle of ceaseless prayer. The author Richard Rohr says that prayer is not primarily saying words or thinking thoughts, but rather it is a stance, a way of living in the presence of God. Prayer is, this is going to be my definition, prayer is very generally our connecting to God. And I want that to be as loose and vague as it sounds. Prayer is our connecting to God, whatever that means for you. Me, I'm a preacher. Um, I like to talk. Talking works for me. This whole verbal dialogue. I'm getting some faces like, we know you like to talk, Jeremy. (laughs) Should have built that in when I was preparing. Didn't anticipate that one. We know you like to talk. But yeah, I'm a talker. Talking works. It keeps me connected to God. Find what connects you to God. Talk, write, dance, make art, make music, meditate, silence, noise, commotion, solitude, community. However you connect, however you pray, do it. And if you seek to live out a real Christian life, to build the church, and to be a part of the establishing of God's kingdom upon the earth, you're going to need that connection open ceaselessly. Though this phrase, pray without ceasing, contains within it not only a precept and instruction, you shall pray without ceasing, but also a privilege as well. If we are to pray without ceasing, then the promise of the torn curtain on Good Friday is true. When Jesus died, the Gospels tell us the great curtain in the temple called the veil, which separated the people from the presence of God, was torn. The holy of holies, the innermost part of the temple where God like was in some strange, real, physical, visceral, existential way. God existed in a place. All of the power and glory of God was there and you knew it was there, but you couldn't quite get to it. When the temple curtain tore, the holiness escaped. God has spread and infected every corner of our world. There is now nowhere, no time, no situation in which you cannot have direct access to God. The privilege to approach the throne of God is no longer reserved for specific people at specific times, but is for all people at all times. The privilege to pray is now available ceaselessly. But this connection, this precept, this privilege has a purpose as well. We have been invited into this relationship with God for a reason. That reason is to bring about the dream of God. Uh, In the Bible, we tend to call this the kingdom. To bring about the kingdom of God in our lives and in our world. Theologian Walter Wink writes that our prayers, I love this, our prayers are the necessary openings that allow for God to act without violating our freedom. If we wish to truly unleash the kingdom of heaven on this broken world, We must be willing to make ourselves the vessels of that change, relinquishing ourselves to the will of the divine, praying honestly that God's will would be done in our world and in our lives. This is a scary prayer, y'all. That God's will would be done in our world and in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. If we desire to see the strongholds of hell broken in the lives of hopeless and hurting peoples, we must be willing to identify their hopeless situation, be it physical or spiritual, 
as well as the institutions and the systems that hold them in that situation for what they are, and that's evil. In my notes, there's a capital E on that word. We must also be just as willing to face the humbling truth that that same evil has been manifest in our own lives. This is why we gather and confess, y'all. And to confess to God, ourselves, and each other that we have been playing for both sides, that we've allowed evil to materialize in us via commission what we do or omission what we've left undone that we should have and have failed to live up to this standard that's been set for us by Christ. This self-humbling, this worship, this desire and courage can only be found through a state of constant connection and openness to God, praying without ceasing. When we pray, we invite God to unleash heaven on the hells of this earth. In doing so, we rebel against the current state of the world. By holding that connection open, we reject the way things are and insist on the way they could, should, and will be. Laying down our need for control and inviting God to work in us, around us, and through us. Yet so many times, we offer up prayers and are discouraged when we do not see an immediate response. We assume we've not been heard. We grow frustrated with ourselves and the way we seem to offer up impotent prayers talking at the ceiling. We punish ourselves internally for our weakness, our lack of faith, our lack of proper form in praying. Maybe I didn't get my hands right that time. Our our lack of articulacy. If only I could have said the right stuff. We believe that there's something wrong with us when I think often the problem is with our understanding of what prayer is. The battle cry of the praying Christian should be inevitability. God has not lost God's passion. God's desire for the kingdom to be fully realized on earth continues. And if we wish to bring about this dream of God, we must do it on God's terms, praying without ceasing. Believing that God and the kingdom are active, powerful, and present in our world. And that the fullness of the coming kingdom is inevitable. Being ceaselessly connected to our God. This is our rebellion. Believing that the reign of Christ is inevitable. The kingdom coming is inevitable. And the restoration of the world is inevitable. That the reign of justice is inevitable. That the end of war is inevitable. And that the love of the Jesus is inevitable. Through giving ourselves to constant worship and prayer, this is how we rebel against the darkness of this world. We invite our God to break everything that can be broken and to shake everything that can be shaken until it is truly on earth as it is in heaven. When we enter into this lifestyle of prayer, this open connectivity, this connection to God in Christ, our entire existence becomes intercessory. When we enter into this lifestyle of prayer, our entire existence becomes intercessory. Our connection with God allows for the kingdom to be made real in us in such a way that it leads to that same kingdom becoming more and more real for the people around us. This 
kind of prayer, this focus, this act, it forces us to move. It forces us to be about the things of God, and it forces the world around us to change. This kind of prayer is more than just asking for things. This kind of prayer is a lifestyle. This kind of prayer changes everything. This kind of prayer is ceaseless. May we have the courage to seek it, to connect, to live, and to pray without ceasing. In the coming weeks, as we, and we have a lovely slide, as we start this new sermon series, as we push into the practice of Christian prayer, we invite you to join us in exploring this mystery together. Grace and peace, church. Amen.